Hello and welcome to Rugger Matrix International, episode 231. I'm your host, Juro Sen, and this is Ben Kimber. Good evening, Juro. Good evening, Ben, and good evening, Ben Robinson. Juro, pleasure. Cat. How are you, Good to see you, mate. You too, buddy. Great to see you, and it's a bit sweaty here tonight. Uh, you're in the front row, but you're in the middle. You're our hooker tonight. <laughs> Very unusual position for me, mate. Hey, great to see you. Couldn't get you last week, but we really appreciate your time here at the studio. It's a pleasure being here. Well, we're going to get stuck in, so... Uh, as always, we start with the uh, strike issue of the week. And Ben Kimber, what is it? The strike issue of the week, mate. Thank you to our, our wonderful sponsor, Strike. Now, uh, not as many games this weekend, clearly just the one. Uh, but I want to have an issue that I think I'm surprised the press in Australia aren't talking about more, less so overseas as well. But my strike issue of the week is, should Michael Checker be sacked after the year the Wallabies have had? Just, okay. an, just an easy in, Benny. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't seeing this coming, but uh, I'll let you start there, Juro, I reckon. All right, so let's have a look at it. So the record this year, six wins, nine losses out of 15 games. Now, let's put that up against South Africa. They had four wins and eight losses out of 12 games. So very similar boat. Obviously, the way that South Africa lost means they are in all sorts of trouble. Australia had really good passages of play and I think from that point of view, that's why no one is really, from a media point of view, is asking for Checker's head. And the other reason I'm going to say why he shouldn't be sacked is who are you going to replace him with? Well, this is it, right? Now, Benny, I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't a, an attack on Checker. That it was a question. Mm. And I think it's a valid question that needs to be asked. We're talking about one of the poorest years the Wallabies have had in a long time. And the team has finished on a low note. Now, the record for the year, the six wins out of 15 games, nine losses... Now, I don't think you can talk too uh, adversely about the losses to the All Blacks, but what I think is unacceptable is the four losses to England. I mean, the English team that came out here were also in a rebuilding mode under Eddie. Yes, they had a good Six Nations. We talked about whether it was a great Six Nations. Well, clearly a Grand Slam is a great result, but I didn't think that they were smashing it. Uh, they came out here and we had some games and some test matches there we should have won, and it's where the Wallabies started to lose their way. And my concern now is, as they finished off the year, that we saw some of the same things, Juro, that you and I have been talking about that this team needs to work on. I'm worried that they are still the same things now and that Checker hasn't got them moving in the right direction. Yeah, I think Juro makes two good points there, is that the reason why there's not so much you know, press around Michael Checker at the moment is his passage of play where the Wallabies play really well. And you, you hear him speak on the weekend about they played a 40-minute game. Mm. Well, in the end, that's not good enough. And then the next point is, who's next in line to be Wallabies coach? And... You know, we've had transition of Wallaby coaches in, you know, three years, four years, you know, maximum. But mm. in, at the moment, I think for me, that is a real issue mm. in Australian Rugby Union. Who's who's going to step up to the line next? And But why do our coaches have to go overseas? Like, you see guys like Laurie Fisher. Like, to me, and you know a lot more about it, to me, I think he's like second to none in terms of forwards coaches. Yeah, well, even look at the other coaches. Les Kiss overseas at the yeah. moment as well. Um, you know, some of these good coaches, I think the ARU has a real responsibility to not just develop the players, but develop a culture, you know, where coaches want to want to stay in Australia, where we have a, a good foothold of good coaches, you know, that really want to promote the way we, we play our game. All right, so um, Ben raises the issue, and it's been talked about mostly from a fan's point of view because they've looked at the record. And if you look at the cold hard facts, it's a terrible record this year, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's, it's terrible. I think if, if I was playing and, you know, knowing the players really, really well, they'll be severely disappointed with the season. You know, as Benny said, the three zip 
in Australia, you know, Sydney, you know, Melbourne and Brisbane. That, that, is, that really hurt, didn't it? Oh, I think it hurt the whole rugby community, mm. didn't they? I think mm. I went to all three of those games and then it didn't look like, you know, I know we lost by a few points, but it didn't look like Australia was in the game. Mm. And, you know, especially down in Melbourne, that was a very physical game, but, you know, it was just tough to see. And I think the Australian public, you know, want, when, when the Wallabies were at home, they want to see those wins. Yeah, and, and, and they, they do. And, and the thing about Checker, and I think it is a valid point of if not Checker who, and there's also no question that Checker, you can tell, lives and breathes it, right? It's not like he's leaving anything out in the park and that he's not doing the job as best he can see. But we talk about that 3-0 loss and how tough it was. The team, and, and Benny, you can tell us, they would have been absolutely looking forward to that Twickenham game on the weekend as redemption. And if anything, the gap got a bit wider. Yes, they played 40 good minutes, but in the end, it was a fairly dominant win by England, perhaps slightly more dominant than they were in Australia. Well, 37 points. Um, you know, that's a lot of points, you know, put against the Wallaby side. And I know, you know, Nathan Gray, you know, their defensive coach, would be really disappointed mm -hmm. in that. But, you know, you know, for me, that, that game is, is, you know, the, the Wallaby boys, they would have been focusing on that game. You know, after losing, you know, to Irish, you know, the week before, you know, Checker would have rallied the guys together and, you know, potentially got a win for the last game of the season. So... Yeah, so I think this is going to bring us to the point where we're talking about the style of play versus uh, being pragmatic. Now, one of the most pragmatic coaches of all time was Ewan McKenzie because he knew what to do uh, to win games. Uh, whether or not uh, it was a, a longevity in that style of coaching, I don't know. But you approach the game in stages. Sometimes you go flat out. Sometimes you uh, knuckle down. You play a tight game. Right, but Australia wants to check. It's on record. He wants to play this great Randwick style of play, and you can't do that, can you? Yeah, well, we saw in the England series when they're over here, they really struggled, you know, to get into the game. England played such a tactical game, kicked really well. Youngs played really well. Their mm. nine and ten combination really set us apart, and I think our combination of nine and ten during that series really struggled. Yeah, it did. Now, yeah, yeah, we we talk about. Um, uh, the style of play. And this has been a bit of a theme for Giro and I. I know you watch all the time, Benny, but <laughs> in, in past shows we've talked about it a lot. Um, and, and one of the reasons that I'm, you know, I'm not asking whether Checker should be sacked in a sort of a, a malicious way, but my, my main concern is that I, I'm not sure that strategically this, this team is on the right track, but Checker, I think, is doubling down. And I want to just, one of the quotes from the, the post-match press conference um, Checker said a few things along the lines of, you know, we're building a different style and approach to the skill base. And he talked about Mick Byrne coming in and he wants the players doing different things. And he said, we know that's going to take time. But he also said the style that they want to play, i.e. him and the team, and that the fans want them to play with running rugby, they just need to play for longer. Whereas the contention I think that Giro and I have had for not just the Wallabies, but other teams through the, the rugby championship, etc. this year is, you can't play flat out for 80 minutes. You've got to mix it up. You've got to slow it down sometimes. Ben Young's showed on the weekend that when the game was getting away from them, the old box kick, the little chip kick into the corner, slow it down, walk your way to the line out, where it just seems that the Wallabies want to play up-tempo 80 minutes. And I just don't think that's viable. Yeah, it's, a, you know, under play, playing under Michael, that's not all or nothing, but um, Michael plays that up-tempo up, up, up style of, of play. And you saw on the weekend, the players have, you know, a lot of structured plays where, you know, the David Pocock pass where you could see it was a set-up play, but the pass was just not on. So I think for me, you know, Michael, he's, for me personally, he's the best coach in Australia, has got at the moment. He's got a good system. He's got a good, you know, um, in a set of plays the way he wants to play. But the way, when, you, when you fall away from that, when you have a, you know, player who might not be 
have that much experience, that's where you see the cracks in the game. All right, so, but Ben, you've played in many teams that uh, play different styles. And so uh, the, to the point we want to get to is, um, can you play at that up-tempo game for 80 minutes? And clearly the All Blacks don't do that, do they? Because they can, they can set a defensive line and keep you out. You know, the, and they've done it against the Wallabies and really good teams where they, they've knuckled down and tackled and tackled. Then you cough the ball, you, you're in desperation, you throw it out the back, then bang, Ben Smith picks up the ball, someone like that. And all of a sudden they do that three times and you've lost the game by seven tries. So, so, so it, yeah. it can't, it's not possible, Ben, is it? Yeah, look, I, I still feel like it is. I think if you look at the 37 points, that you can't win a game you know, getting scored by that amount of points. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael Checker's way of playing, the way he gets his trips together, is a successful way. We've seen that before. But at the moment, the players who are in the squad at the moment, they're just not fulfilling it. All right, so, so uh, what, what do you do in the meantime? Because you can't lose Tess to try and chase his ideal. Yeah, look, I think, you know, there's some principles that need to come into play. Um, my biggest one, and, you know, you look at a team, a team is built on their defensive work. Right. And you can really get the feel, the mental sort of feel of a team and where they're at from, you know, from their defensive work. And I've got to say it again, 37 points mm. against the English is not acceptable. I mean, we can't say they're an amazingly great attacking side. You know, they're very well structured. They have a good kicking game. They know when to play. They know when to kick. But in the end, like... Well, look you know, at we, the we tries. Look, the, they were just turnovers. Turnovers, yeah. quick tap, try time. But for me, you know, stick with, a, stick with a good style of play, which Michael does. But Michael, I know he's been adaptive. You know, originally he did not like box kicks. And you see yeah. our players are box kicking more now. Because we know that, mm. you know, our players can kick these box kicks now. Yeah. <laughs> not a fan of box kicks. Yeah. Look, but you might not be a fan, but look at, look at the way that the Wallabies kicked off the first four kickoffs. For a start, they went straight to uh, Hughes, Nathan Hughes, I think the, yeah. the replacement number eight for Vernapola. And for a start, I thought, why are they doing it four times in a row when he's clearly caught it every time? <laughs> They've set the ball. And Ben Young, Young's has just box kicked them out of trouble. So there's clearly a, a place for the yeah, box kick. Yeah, but not every box kick's the same. So the traditional box kick, which goes 50 metres in the air and chase through, is diabolical. But look at the subtlety of Young's box kicks. They were flatter, they had more purpose to it, and he's, that's where their England kicking game obliterated Australia. Yeah. Well, so, so this then is a, is a question I want to ask you, Ben, because it's another another way that I look at the way that Jeff has box One of the, one of the <laughs> best box kicks. The, the, the flop kick is, I think it's what they call that low flat one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chip and chase. But yeah. I, I sometimes feel that, that Checkers also is, is committed to a style of playing because I also think that sometimes when you put a team together, you've got to play with what you got, right? And... We haven't got a great tactical kicking game in the Australian team. We haven't had for some time, like what you'd say, a, a, a world-class tactical kicking game has never been hasn't been a strength for I think for some time. And also, he's fitting two world-class back rowers in. He's pulling Pocock out of position, so he's got two very mobile back rowers. So it lends itself to a game where you want a mobile pack and you want to use mobility and width as much as you can, but also if kicking isn't your strong point, it's, it is keeping in the hands and looking for your strengths, looking for your Falaus and your Dane Hale Petties and those guys. Do you think he's influenced by the team he has as well? Oh, of course he is. I think Michael is a big believer in, you know, not really working on a player's weakness, working on what they're really strong at. And you see that in his, in his selection, you know, Hooper-Pocock, that combination there, the locks, the bigger locks coming in as well. Mm. He uses those strengths as well. And I think... You, you, you're quite restricted, uh, restricted in the, the play you want to play when you're back-to-back picking the same players each week. And I know Michael has a, a philosophy of you know, really pressuring players, you know, selecting the team really late as well. But you, know, you have teams that come up against Australia now, they know the style of rugby they're going to play, and it's easily knocked off. 
Tell me, as a player, as a fan, and, and a lover of the game for so long, I always found um, a bit of solace and, and comfort in the fact that I knew the same 15 was running out every week. And as a player, surely you would like that. But think of those combinations. Surely, Ben, if you're playing with guys from the opening whistle who you're running off week to week who are exactly the same, surely the opposition might be able to work you out. But that, that competition, comp competition in the side is one thing, but that combination surely gives you the better opportunity in those clutch plays to do stuff without thinking about it. Yeah, I think when Michael picks his team really late, it's, it's, a, it's a real tactical play to get his players performing you know, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Mm. I see the benefit in both. Um, sometimes it's really good for me as a player to go, well, you know, Tuesday I've got to really put it in, I've got to really focus. And then, you know, under you know, other coaches, Robbie Deans, uh, Ewan McKenzie, they'll pick the team on, on the Sunday and then those combinations come really well. It's really hard for me to say, do it this way or do it this way. It's Michael Checker at the moment, picking the team late, you know, having those combinations come together at a, at a, at a late notice. And, you know, for me, it's, it's really tough as a player to say which is best. I was going to say, Ben, but it's not working. Whatever Australia's doing is not working. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Benny, I just want to mention for a second, we have a fantastic audience out there who, who post plenty of comments, plenty of smart comments. And one of the themes that's been posted a couple of times on both YouTube and Facebook after the game, uh, which, I, which I did want to ask you about, is there's a belief that Michael Checker has changed the way that he was supporting his bench, right? He's made a big uh, uh, focus in the past on finishes. And your point of picking the team late is it was really an approach of we are a 23 and whoever's out there is going to play their role because we've got our patterns. But particularly these last couple of games, it's felt like he's lost a bit of faith in that bench. He's making made changes later. Mm. Um, do, do you think that that's been something that, you, that you've noticed? And, 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 and do you think that he's moved away a little bit from that finishes feel for this Wallaby side? Yeah, I think he has. I think when you have a lot of faith in your bench, you see your bench nice and early. Mm. Um, you know, you look at games where Michael's pulled on his bench at an early stage, the team has been doing really well. So, you know, his faith he has in his 15 needs to, you know, come through the other eight players as well and in, and in the bench. But as you said, the language being with Michael Checker, with his bench, is they're the finishers. They're meant to come along and finish the game. And I think, you know, in previous games, the finishers have not been doing their jobs. Yeah. And, and there's another point I want to make about this, and, and it's, I think, Nick Phipps did not have a happy game uh, against England. And uh, before we talk about that, I think, uh, you know, we, one of the questions I've had about uh, Checker this year is his selections and has he lost it at the selection table a few times in the, in the teams he's picked tactically and where they're going. But I think if you, if you know that you're probably not going to have Genia in the final game, I thought it was a tough call on a, on a bloke who, who we know didn't have a happy three games against England, Phipps, where over here he was called out as the guy that England put most pressure on. The England game was looming large on the horizon, right? We knew that was the final game. And then in the Ireland game on the line, he didn't get a look in. He kept getting him out there for 80. And I just think that was not a great vote of confidence for a player who the next week had to step up and be the man and try to put to bed three tests in June. I mean, how would it play on your mind as a player, whether you get on the park or not, how, you, how you're feeling the next week? Yeah, look, it's very tough for Nick. I know Nick very personally well, <clears throat> really good guy. And, you know, it's very disappointing for him not to be in, in that starting side. Um, you know, against Ireland, the games leading up to it. Um, but you know, it's a, such a good point. You know, you, rugby players want to play rugby. They don't want to sit there and train all the time. Mm -hmm. They get a lot of go forward. They get a lot of action from actually being out there and playing as well. And, 
you know, not having Nick in that Irish game would have really hurt his confidence. Mm. And especially coming up against the English, their 9-10 combination after their success in Australia, he would have been struggling. We saw it on the weekend. You know, he, he did struggle out there, and you know, I don't think it's all the fault of his own. Yeah. All right, so selection-wise, it's the big issue of our time, and it seems to be Australia always dealing with two great sevens and fitting them in the team. So Michael Hooper, who's <laughs> an outstanding player, and of course David Pocock. Now, this is not the first time I remember going way back when I was Wallabies media manager. We had George Smith and, and Phil War, uh, and, and we threw them on the side of the scrums at, at those times as well. Uh, it changes the game a bit, certainly does with line out and scrum. What are your thoughts on the, the fact that Checker is getting two world class players in there, but should you be playing a pure seven? and a guy who plays six who's a big bigger? I think initially around the line, I don't reckon it has much influence right. whatsoever. Um, I think the way that Hooper, the way that Pocock jump doesn't affect the line out whatsoever. What they I, both took an early line out actually in the game. Yeah, yeah I, what I think it affects is the, just the mental attitude of having another big number six, like a Rocky Yelsem, who can carry the ball nice and hard. And I'm not saying those players can't do that, but I think if you have, if you, if you're the English and you look at, at Hooper and Pocock, you think, oh, they're just going to be fetches over the ball. I know Hooper can carry really well, but Pocock, but just that, you know, that physical presence of a 120 kilo number six, yeah, who can jump and who can carry it forward, um, is, you know. So, so the question here, Ben, is, is it worth? <laughs> are you are you you sacrificing too much by having two sevens, uh, without bringing in maybe a six who's not world class, but having that big heavy hitter? Yeah, I think you are. I, I definitely think you are. I think, but for me, it's like, <laughs> who do you drop? Well, that's the that's, that's the tough that's, call. That's where Michael's at the moment, going. Yeah. Well, I can't drop Hooper. I can't drop Pocock. They're amazing at the moment, but you know, to your guys' point, it's probably the theme of the night. So yeah. Something has to change, doesn't it? Something yeah. has to happen. Well, that, that's that's the really is the given, isn't it? After a year like that, something has to change. It mm. can't just be mindset. Something has to be mixed up more. Well, the decisions made for him next year with David Pocock, isn't it? Because he's not going to be here. Um, so sabbatical. Yes. Uh, oh, which, very well which, paid sabbatical. Would you read that? George, <laughs> um, uh, SMH report. He's getting seven hundred and fifty grand for three one-hour meetings like next year. Yeah, that's from the uh, ARU. Hit me on that money. <laughs> um, I, I can. And sabbaticals are a good thing, and we can go into those in coming weeks. But the New Zealanders do that better than anyone else, and I expect uh, it might be a sabbatical. But I think Kieran Reid's going to get a good rest next needs year. Needs a big rest. And we needs about a big that. one. So um, let's talk about. Um, the Australian scrum went all right, I thought, against England um, when, when it needed to. What did you think? Yeah, I thought they were really strong. Yeah. Um, I think having you know Steve Moore in there, who's 100, 120 yeah. test matches now, I think having his experience in there... Second most capped wallaby of all time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So Stephen brings a lot of experience in there. I think, um, you know, Scotty C is still young um, at Loosehead, still coming through. And I think, you know, the front row has, has, has come a long way, or the whole scrum's come a long way yeah, in the last couple of years. And it's an area where Mario Ledesma really focuses really hard. And those boys, I can tell you, they, they train. Might come Monday, they're bashing each other in the scrum as yeah, well. And what about Sakopi Kepu, who are uh, running free? It reminded me of a young uh, Ben Robertson my, my scoring a great try. He can score a try. My hamstrings were never that Is it a sort of goose tap thing you, you know, push so, through? Sakopi used to be number eight. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. they'll show and go. It was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah it's not really front row. And, right, actually, and that's where they, you thought, God, we're back in this. Yeah. You know, we're coming home with a wet sail here. I said the Rocky Elson once after we lost a, a game at Crusaders in the final. I said, Can we possibly banned kicking for the entire game? Because if you're not good at it, then I reckon there's no, not much point doing it. What, what do you think when, when a kick goes astray, it goes 20 metres down the field, when you sustain a bit of pressure? Does your heart sink a bit? 
Um, yeah, it does sink. Of course it does sink. Mm. It, you know, especially when, you know, you're working so hard in attack and then this terrible kick comes over and it's mm. just easy turnover of possession. Yeah. But you make you make a good point. Like Chris Latham back in the day, yeah, massive big left boot. Mark and Gerard, Mark as well. Cameron Shepherd for you know that, yeah. those guys as well had really good boots. And you look at the team at the moment. No one has got that massive big dominating big kick to get. Hodge, get. Hodge is getting there, but yeah. he's not there quite yet. Yeah, yeah. even you know Burn Burner's got a really accurate strong kick, mm. but not not a massive kicker of the ball as well. And you know it, it does make a difference. You know. You, as a forward, you see a good kick come in. It, you know, it sort of gives you that extra spurt of energy to you know, keep going, going yeah, forward as yeah, well. Absolutely. So there's extra benefits to the kick. Now, mate, I wanted to just go into the game a little bit more. Just some of the periods. Checker very much in the post-match press conference talked about 40 good minutes and 40 poor minutes. But I'd even say that they they didn't take their opportunities in that first 40. You know, only three points at half time wasn't really a great reflection for Australia of the way they went. That first 20 minutes, they came out firing and they had England under the pump. They really were on top of them. They were shifting the ball around. They got over the line an extra three times and had the TMO involved and didn't quite get the points. Yeah. Um, but what I thought I saw in that first 20 was I really thought that they, they tried to play their up-tempo game, but if you will, I thought they took like just took it one notch down. They seemed a bit more controlled than when they got it. Sometimes they've been a bit frantic trying to play that up-tempo game. So I really thought... They, they saw there the game they wanted, but England did such a good job to keep their heads, scramble their way back in, and then take the points when they could, that I would have thought England at half-time, and you've been in so many sheds at half-time, Benny, that, that to feel that you've had all the momentum, had all the game, and then have them breathing down your neck at half-time, it, it wouldn't feel like you were on top as well as you should be. Uh, yeah, that's a difficult one to talk about, because you know the game, the second half was so crucial you know in the game on the weekend, but if if Michael Checker comes in and, and lets the players play a style of game where they just, I don't know how to say it, just play the way you want to play, let it be free, let it be open as well. And then, as I said, that second half, it didn't seem as, as solid as the first. They didn't seem to have that extra bit of flair. As I said, some of those yeah. push passes, you know, some of the carries, you know, weren't what you saw in the first half as well. But for me, the English, they took their opportunities when they could. They, yeah. Some of their tries, you wouldn't say, are the, the greatest of tries, intercept and, and, and so forth. But they found a way to win. Yeah. You know, previous games for the Wallabies, you know, they've found ways to win. But they, you know, at, at the moment, they're just not finding that little extra notch to say, look, you know, we might have won, but we've, yeah. you know, we won roughly. Yeah, it's a good point. Like, uh, and like the opening try for Naivala was really good. The, 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 um, the Wallabies clearly had a crack at uh, Ford in the 10 jersey. That 10-12 defensive combination for England is, is, a, is where teams try to find them out a bit. They're not massive guys, so they run a few big men at them, create a bit of that space, and then a quick ball shift. And, and Dane Hallett petty threw a nice uh, you know, cutout uh, for, to, to Naivalu. But I think, to your point, Ben, what we see is the Australian team, when they're on the front foot, when they're feeling like they're going well, they are very hard to stop, right? They shift the ball beautifully. But they don't seem to have that different way to score tries. You know what I mean? Their, their, their way to score tries is to punch it up, make a bit of space, and then move the ball fast. Whereas you, what, you, what you're saying, is, uh, what I'm hear, hearing is, you know, when we look at England and, and you know, New Zealand are the kings of this, the, the, the opportunity to turn something on or to, to, to turn something around that you know they're not that they're, they're under the pump, but all of a sudden they're up the other end and there's a try or they're in territory getting points. Uh, other teams seem more uh, able to just create something from nothing than this Wallabies team who seem to rely on that front foot more. Is that fair? Well, the Kiwis are the kings of it, aren't they? You know that turnover ball, turnover possession is where they sc mm. score their most tries and most points as well. And you know I, I don't know whether 
um, the players are too solely focused on you know right in front of them and not really looking next to them as well. Um, but you know some of those tries, the tries they're scoring, you can't defend. You, you can't defend them. But you know they're they're great tries, aren't they? They they look really good. But what wins games is that little small little five percent. You know, little quick tap here, little touch there. You know, get get the defence off, off offside. But you know we're not getting enough set piece. You know, set set piece plays be scoring those good tries. I also think, Ben, that's a really good point. I just think that the England side and the New Zealand side just have a few more uh, things in their armoury. So I think they're better prepared. They might have a, a bit more in their playbook that enables them to do things. So if, if, we, if we're peeling off, we, we work on the right-hand side of the field and something else happens that's unexpected, they've got a backup plan for that. I just think they've got a, a deeper playbook than Australia at the moment. And, and I know that Bernie Larkham, Stephen Larkham's got moves like coming out of the wazoo and they're beautiful they're absolutely beautiful but i just think when when the unexpected stuff happens when it breaks down england seem to reset quite quickly and the key for that is their kicking game absolutely brilliant kicking game and that is the number one issue that australia needs to work on they need to look if someone can't boot it down do what they did. A couple of rugby league type kicks. Like just finding the touchline and relieves the pressure. Here's a question. Rugby smarts. Who do you reckon's got the better rugby smarts in, in world rugby at the moment? As a team? As a team. Um, <clears throat> well, I was going to say Ireland. Um, Ireland... Uh, but that's what you're sort of talking about, though. Like yeah. the, the ability to go, okay, well, we can... You know, if this doesn't work, yeah. we'll, oh, quick tap Ireland, here or... Ireland, England and here. New Zealand. Well, I think New Zealand... Do but I think the, the the best game we've seen for it is the Ireland win over yeah. the All Blacks, right? That they they mix that up so beautifully and the way and the game they played, and you know and that's where we we've talked before about Checker's tactics of he wants to play the game he wants to play. We see other teams are better at adapting. Yeah. They're better at adapting, and that often rests in the nine and ten in their control. Can I ask though, this right? question, Ben? Because we keep going on about this, uh, Ben. When you go in with a tactic and a way to play the game. Uh, there is an opposition trying to stop you. So there's got to be some, surely there's some sort of respect there. You say, okay, what we're doing is not working. Let's, we've got to change it on the run. Firstly, is the Australian side capable of doing that on the run? And do you have the freedom to do that as a player? You, you definitely do have the freedom. So you might have a, a set piece where you go wide, mm. you, you go to the sideline, come back to the middle. And if you make a good carry there, we'll keep playing on. But w I think what we're seeing at the moment is it's the players are really thinking about the, the play, the set play, and what's actually happening, and not really. That's why I said the rugby smarts. Yeah. That's why I said, you know, does the player? He's so scared. He's, he's so scared about what's going to happen the next phase, and not really worry what's what's in front of him. And I think some of the try, like that's the Kopi Kepu try, was out of nothing. Yeah. But Kep's looked up. That's right. Then just goes, oh, I'm going to go forward, and and people go, oh, that looks like an easy try. Australia and scored a try. It was Joe Marlin, yeah. the opposite proppy spot, and this went and straight. And Ben, they scored a try that you've been talking about that others have scored against Australia. Yeah, I, th I think as you said, a, a few tries that went to England, you go, oh, okay, maybe, you know, it's disappointing. Thirty-seven points is disappointing, but you get a few more tries like that in Australia. And a lot of these conversations we're having, you know, around selection, around our kicking game, they wouldn't be there. Okay, we're going to go to the um, strike. Uh, Comments. Com comments? Yeah. You want but to do that now? Can I just ask you a question? Um, do you hate it? I hate it when people say that Australia are a bunch of whingers. Do I hate it when people yeah. say it? I absolutely hate, I hate that straight yeah. away. Um, you know, I don't think we are a bunch of whingers. How do you react to a loss then, personally? Uh, after after yeah. a game? Uh, not really well at all. Yeah. Um, I don't go out. You know, I, I think it's Australian way. You don't go out there and whinge and complain. Yeah. You get along with get along and do it. I think other teams in the past have been very str strategic in the way they've spoken to the press, spoken to the media, spoken to the referees to get a different outcome the next yeah. game. 
But I think, you know, for, for the Australians, it's like, suck it up. We're going to be better. You want to be better the next game. And it's not just in rugby. It's in whatever you do in, in life as well. But, yeah. yeah, I don't like hearing that. Yeah, well said. Yeah, great. So before we do the comments, I just want to wrap up where we opened with the strike issue of the week because yep. there was a few points I wanted to make out of the game to wrap that up. When I said, and I think I think we've touched on it as well. Look, I think I think Checo won't be sacked and probably shouldn't be, but I think it's more the state of Australian rugby than his performance so far. I think it's dead right. There's no natural successor. There's concern at ARU headquarters about funds and all those kinds of things. I think he's going to get more of a go than he probably would have if it had been, the game had been healthier. I think he'd have been under vastly more pressure if there was funds flying everywhere and we had four or five super coaches who were chomping at the bit to get a crack at it, right? Yeah. Um, so he will survive, but I think the way it's gone this year, and one of those reasons is I, I want to see him do better at the selection table. I don't think Nick Phipps deserved that start for England after the way he's played this year. He finally moved Spate out after three or four pretty average games. Yeah. Took him a while to get there. So he, he's very loyal, and I think sometimes he sticks with players too long. He should have tried someone else at half. But conversely, with the second row this year, he went through a massive amount of combos. So I just think his selection table work has been a factor in the team's performance. And I, and I think that's got to be sorted out. And so the, the, the team around him needs more say, from what I see from the outside. But he's going to get another crack, but he's a lucky man to get it. And you see New Zealand were vulnerable too with their selections for the Chicago test, yeah. where when you... You stuff around with selection, you're going to get bit. And, and you know, with Scott Fardy too, we want to see him in the side too. Why, why isn't he playing? Or you know, why isn't he in a regular six? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why Michael's gone off him for. Because yeah. um, yeah. he's got a, he's abrasive. He's a big fella. You know, has a go. Yeah, for me, I'm going to say it again. Scott Fardy's got rugby smarts. Yeah. He, he like you can see him. He knows the game really well. He knows the breakdown really well. He's great in the line out as well, and then can turn the game. You know, on, on a dime straight away. So, uh, I think you know it's been a terrible year for the for the Wallabies. They've really struggled. Um, you know, the, the the boys are on holidays now, but you know, come next year, I think we're going to see so a lot of there's still strange selections. Oh, there's still great signs. There's great yeah. signs, but yeah. they shouldn't be happy with it. They shouldn't be just saying, "Yeah, it was okay." It should be filthy that they lost so many tests. You know, nine tests. Yeah. Oh man, well, nine uh, tests. And one one small positive is is Checker was much calmer in the post match press, press conference. I think there's been too much whinging in the post match press conference. Yeah, clear change. He was very changed. He was very clear, calm, and collected. He didn't talk about the refs, even though I think he, he seemed too petulant ahead of the game again when he declined to see Yarko Pepper. Yeah. Like he didn't even go to the meeting. He said, "Oh, no, there's nothing to be gained there." It just I don't think he's handling that well. Oh, well, he went back at Eddie too with yeah. the, uh, an un-Australian staff, but I reckon yeah. he probably destroyed his hotel room afterwards <laughs> when no one was looking. No, look, uh, we think I, I, Czech is a great guy. Yeah. He's absolutely great. And most of the, all the players, Australian players are. But, um, you know, we've got to call it how we see it, and we don't think it was a great year in terms of results. All right, strike. Viewer comments. All right, thank you for those who posted questions for the big man next to me. And I just want to say what a That's pleasure... Ben. The big man, this big man. <laughs> I just want to say what a pleasure it is to, to have Benny in. Uh, I, as a rugby journo, started covering Benny when he was a, a, a King's prop way back at the start of his career. And mm. you know, I, I, I'd like to claim that I was the first journo to write about him. I think I was talent spotting back then, so I'll, I'll claim that, Benny. Um, I'll but, give that to you, Benny. All right, thanks, Thanks, mate. Um, a few questions from our viewers. Uh, uh, a lot of great regular viewers, as I said, and please, guys, uh, like it, uh, share it out, subscribe to the channel. Uh, first up, Shifty Zim, one of our regulars. Shifty! Uh, what would you personally rate as, your, as the high point of your career? Waratah's title or something else? Uh, Waratah's title is up there. I think the first time you pull on a gold jersey is very special. Um, I was lucky enough to, to get a start. I um, had the number one jersey and I had 
players like George Gregan, Stephen Larkham, um, come up to me and shake my hand and go, yeah. congratulations. So for me, that's you know that's a highlight of my career. And of course, you're the most capped Waratah of all time. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty pretty special taking over from Phil War. Yeah, nice. to be that. filthy, very <laughs> filthy. Yeah. Kima, Kima Pedro, uh, with your experience, would you like to see any changes to scrums, um, rucks or malls, or anything from a player perspective? Do you think there's any more safety that's needed in those? Yeah, look, I think um, for me, you're really taking out the, the impact and the collision of the scrum. I think. Um, a lot of front rowers come in now with good body shape and they can get away with it. Um, I didn't see that many injuries when it was a real collision. Um, so I, th I think that uniqueness of the scrum is going away mm -hmm. from where it originally started when they were you know, probably 10 metres apart and flying in, which I'm yeah. not saying it's a right thing <laughs> to do. Hit. But you know, there's, the unique thing about rugby is it, it caters for all, all shapes, all sizes, mm -hmm. and seeing that scrum, I love seeing it. Like I, I love watching the scrum. I know a lot of viewers out there don't like it, but I see that there's so many tactics. You know, we could probably have another five episodes straight in a row oh. on in a row on Ruggy Ruggy Matrix and Scrummer Matrix. And <laughs> but uh, yeah, but for me, oh, no, we could no. do a whole show on the Scrum already. Yeah. Oh, we definitely oh. can. <laughs> All right. Um, and also bring back some rucking as well. Some yes, in, not 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 rough, not rucking yeah. towards the head, yeah. but a few sprigs to get a few of those. Uh, so those to answer Kima, what you've done is you're saying they've probably gone a little bit too far for some of these things. Yeah, I agree. That yeah, I think they're getting a little bit too safety conscious. I think. Sweet. To where uh, Seni Kalchira. Who do you think is the best player worldwide playing your position internationally today? Who's the best loose head? Oh, Jesus, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think I think Scotty Seagull's got the potential to be one of the greats. Great. Uh, who was your favourite Aussie captain and why? From Jock Hickey? Uh, Phil War. I think Phil was a uh, abrasive style captain. Um, I think he called a spade a spade. If he missed a tackle, you try and say, oh, it wasn't my tackle to miss. But he, <laughs> Look out. <laughs> he, he'd tell you, mate, well, yeah, supposedly it wasn't your tackle, but you still missed it. So yeah, I yeah. think he was straight to the point. And when he was getting a bit older in his age, he used to tell me to get left side up um, so he can get quicker to the breakdown. Yeah, yeah. And the last one from another great regular, Philly Steve Tupua. Uh, who did he rate as his most toughest opponent? Uh, that's, an, that's a really easy one for me. I think um, as a, a tight head back in the day, I think, Joe, you might have been involved in this, but I packed down against him. He was playing against the Highlanders, and the next day I went and saw Matt Dunning. I said, mate, that guy is going to be the hardest guy. It was Carl Heyman. So he's, he's, he was a pretty decent. <laughs> I was going to ask you, actually, because uh, we talk about uh, forwards these days getting more skills, etc. You were actually really well known for getting over the ball. You were a bit like an extra loose mm. forward sometimes, and you were, you were, you were pilfering a lot. But uh, you've, got a, you've got a really traditional props body shape. Whereas Carl Hammond was six foot four, I think, wasn't he? Yeah. It, it, did, did body shape play a big part in being a front rower if a six foot four bloke can do it or someone your yeah, side? Yeah, it, it definitely does. I, um, I played with Carl Hammond in the Barbarians last year. We played against Samoa. Oh, yes. We had, we had a great time together and had some great scrums together yeah, as well. But uh, you did both do chip and kicks. Yeah, chip well, kicks. there's no chip kicks. There's a few beers before the game and after the game. But uh, it definitely does. I um, mean, he worked a long time on his craft to get, to get it where he was. But... Yeah. I caught it sort of right at the peak of his career and yeah, my neck and back hasn't been the same since. All right, so it's sad to see you retire, Ben, um, uh, and, but it's great to have you on the show. Appreciate you coming to Rugger Matrix, mate. Really good Please, to see mate. you. Excellent Thanks, to see you, buddy. Cheers. All right, there he is, Ben Robinson, uh, forming the front row. Uh, ben Kimber. Thanks, mate. Good to have you, mate. As always, and great to see Benny in here. All right, and thanks once again. Share us, like us, all that sort of stuff. And until next week, I'm going to hold over my plan to save South African rugby till then. <laughs> Look out. <laughs>